Welcome to Local Gov Matters, the podcast that talks about the latest issues facing Wisconsin, be it counties, cities, villages, and towns. I'm Michelle Thompson of the Wisconsin Counties Association. And I'm Gail Sumi of the League of Wisconsin Municipalities. In this podcast, we discuss what's happening at the Capitol and in communities around the state. You'll hear from local and state officials, other experts, and advocates. We'll provide the local impact of state legislation and insights into how local government works and how it impacts you. It's the background, the stories, and even some insider-based that will frame the issues and make it worth your listen. So whether you're sitting at your desk, driving in your car, or getting in your steps on the treadmill, we are thrilled you have joined us. Let's get started. Welcome to Local Gov Matters. I'm Michelle Thompson of the Wisconsin Counties Association. And I'm Gail Sumi of the League of Wisconsin Municipalities. Today we are talking transportation and we are excited to do it with the state's top transportation official, Wisconsin Department of Transportation Secretary, Craig Thompson. Welcome, Secretary Thompson. Thanks for having me. We are going to discuss today the Multimodal Local Supplement Grant Program. That just rolls right off your tongue, doesn't it? Oh my God, it? they could have named it something much easier. <laughs> and in yeah. any true program, it also has a great acronym, MLS. So the program provides $75 million to local and tribal governments in one-time general purpose revenue. Another acronym? GPR. GPR, as well as take a 10,000-foot view of the state of transportation here in Wisconsin. So earlier this month, WSDOT, another acronym, Wisconsin Department of Transportation, (laughs) released information on their Multimodal Local Supplement Grant Program, or MLS. According to WSDOT, local governments, counties, cities, villages, and towns submitted $1.4 billion in applications. That's 1,596 applications that are being reviewed. The recipients, I understand, are expected to be announced in February, Secretary Thompson? Yes, by the end of February, we should be announcing them. So the program was funded with $75 million, thanks to the legislature and the governor. And that sounds like a big number, but the number of applications that came in amounted to $1.4 billion. Before we delve too much into this, can you tell us about the MLS program? Absolutely. So, you know, as you said, Gail, it was created in this last budget. And, you know, I really want to make the distinction so people understand this because, uh, you know, about 90% of the road miles in the state are, lo- are under local jurisdiction, either the cities, villages, towns, or counties. And um, it's been well documented that there hasn't been enough revenue for each of those levels of government to keep up the maintenance and, and upkeep and, and repaving. I know I have my roads. favorite potholes, so right. I'm sure we all do. So the part of the budget that I think really uh, helped get more, you know, we didn't solve the problem, but we made progress on helping locals out with that was the increase in the general transportation aids. That that was a 10% increase for the local governments, and that's base building and ongoing. and allows local governments to plan for how many more miles of road they're going to be able to keep up each year. Yeah, that was great. Thank you. So I, I think that's, you know, when people think of, of trying to, you know, get some of our local roads into better shape, that was important and ongoing. But then in addition to that, uh, the legislature added uh, a one-time money out of the state's general fund, as you said, out of GPR, to do improvement projects, which is a little bit different. Those are specific projects to, to make improvements in different areas. And, and they wanted to put that into the Local Road Improvement Program, which is a separate acronym, LRIP, uh, <laughs> that is not as much for the ongoing maintenance, but for specific improvement projects. And they initially put $90 million into that LRIP program. The governor did exercise a partial veto on that part. Um, he 
took $15 million of that and put it into education where he found money from other areas to ultimately put $100 million more into education, one of his priorities. But then, uh, so there was $75 million, but rather than leave it in the local road improvement program, because that's an ongoing program and it's one-time money, he asked us at the department to come up with a one-time discrete program for, for that, and we did. And he also asked us to open it up uh, to all the modes of transportation and let the locals decide which is the most important. So that's what we've tried to do. It's a 90-10 split. Um, uh, with 90% coming from the state and 10% from the locals, like it would have been under the local road improvement program. And we allow the locals to submit their applications for any modes that, that they deem important, and it will be reviewed by their peers. So, so county officials re will review county projects, uh, municipal officials will review municipal ones, and town officials will review those. Um, the municipals are going to be reviewing theirs on January 28th. The counties on January 29th and the towns on February 6th and 7th. And what does that look like, Craig? Is there is there a meeting in, in Madison? Are they going locally? What does that process look like? So we are going to be holding the meetings in Madison, um, and they will be going through. They've they've already gotten all of the projects and the grading criteria, and so they're going to come ready with that. Uh, it's not something they could do that day. It's as you mentioned, just the the sheer numbers of these is is just been astounding. And in so, fact, we uh, had asked some people to be on that committee, and one one begged off. You know, when he saw the number of applications yeah. that needed the number of pages that he needed to review all, all joking aside it's it's really a lot of work that these folks have agreed to do yeah. and we, we appreciate it but I think they're in the best position to be able to really and, and we're really trying to look at the economic development angle they, they've got weighted criteria for economic development and really connectivity which is another word and to allow their peers and if uh, if somebody has a project that's in their area they will not vote on it for conflict of interest sure. uh, but beyond that it's their peers that will decide the, the you know the merits of these programs and so, make the recommendations to us. So Craig what sort of projects does this funding cover? What have you seen come in? What is you know when you talk about criteria what is some of that? Can you get into that a little bit for us? Sure again the criteria is going to be grading uh, based upon the ability to show economic development and show in, you know improved connectivity but we've seen you know, the vast majority is road projects uh, but we also see multimodal which can be road and bridge projects. There's a lot of bridge projects as well. Uh, but we have seen other modes. Uh, we've seen uh, ones for uh, bike paths or for transit or for harbors. Um, so, you know, we are seeing the whole spectrum, uh, but the vast majority is, is roads, and it will be up to these committees to review and make recommendations to us. Um, we will ultimately make the, the final decision by the end of February. We're going to take a break here, and when we come back, we're going to discuss the applications that have come in so far, just talk about those numbers, again, the process a bit more, and then we're going to talk about the state of transportation overall here in Wisconsin. The League of Wisconsin Municipalities advocates for Wisconsin cities and villages, large and small, urban and rural, speaking up for local democracy and common-sense citizen-led government. Learn more at lwm-info.org. We are back. We are with Secretary... Craig Thompson of the Wisconsin Department of Transportation. I'm Michelle Thompson. I'm Gail Sumi. We are still the same people and we're still sitting in the <laughs> same room. So Secretary Thompson, as we mentioned, according to WISDOT, over 1,500 applications are being reviewed. They came in and the recipients are expected to be announced in February. $75 million, as we talked about a lot, it seems like a really big number. Were you shocked to see that number of $1.4 billion? I don't know if shock's the right word. I, you know, I knew there was just a tremendous amount of unmet need that's out there. 
And from talking to local officials when we made this available, I knew there was so much energy behind this. And, and one of the things that I'm happy about, what I heard from each of your associations was, please make the process simple to apply for. And I think we accomplished that, which I think helped facilitate the numbers. But $1.4 billion just demonstrates the sheer magnitude of need that we have out there. Um, this program is not going to solve it in one in one time. And But I, I think it shows how much time and effort people put in and how important the projects are. And again, just the breadth of need out there. So I'm hoping this is something that we can build on and maybe maybe look at something you know ongoing moving forward. I know we heard from a lot of our really small communities. We asked them to send us their applications. Not everyone did, mm-hmm. but some did. And even our very small communities um, had applications in and had projects that they needed to ha- get done. So it's it's really helpful. Well, you know, if you look at, and again, I'm not, I'm not, uh, putting my thumb on the scale anywhere of grading any of these. But in some of these small communities, you know, one of these grants uh, for some of these projects could really be game-changing in those communities. It could, absolutely. Tell us a little bit more about the economic development component. What what does that mean? It can mean a lot of different things in a lot of different areas. Um, In a lot of parts of our state, you know, timber is such an important part of the economy. Uh, That first and last mile that, that again, is under each of your, your members' jurisdictions can have a huge impact on uh, you know, I, I brought up timber as an example, but other egg examples. And so um, a lot of times it can be showing that from that standpoint. Uh, but, you know, again, if you even looked at some of the uh, bike paths and other things and what it could bring to the community uh, in terms of tourism, recreation dollars and, and those sorts of things. So there's a lot of different ways to judge economic uh, development. Uh, but again, that's going to be up to the local officials to, to make those calls. You also mentioned earlier connectivity. What, is, what does that mean? It's, it's one of those words that we use, but... Yep. Well, you know, when you think about transportation and really the, the our economy in our state and, and how it goes, you're really as strong as the weakest link, right? So um, you can have portions of a route be in really good shape, but if you've got part that's not, um, you know, you're... you're your connectivity is not going to be great. So, right. I, so I think we want to look at really how we're how we're helping our our economic um, partners in the state in agriculture, manufacturing, and others with their connectivity um, so that that we can move goods as well as people. You hear in other states, and this is probably true here, the number of bridges that are stressed. When you said that weakest link, that's sometimes what I think about is that bridge that maybe can't hold the weight. Do we have those, and what does that look like in Wisconsin? We do. Uh, we're making progress on those bridges, uh, but when they have to be weight-restricted, again, um, for a lot of for heavy manufacturing, but for ag and timber, it can really add to their bottom line or their transportation costs. So we're inventorying the ones that we have left uh, that, uh, that are weight-restricted. Some of them may be taken care of in this program, uh, but it is one of my priorities that we look at that, have a list, and have a strategy that we can begin to really start taking those off and moving forward. So, Craig, when this is all said and done and when the, the grants have been issued, how will you deem this program a success? What will Looking back, will you say this is what worked and this is really impacting the state of Wisconsin? I think that's a really important question because this is the first time we've done this. Um, so I think when we are through this, we are going to want to look back, and, and I'm sure there's things we can improve upon. But I think, again, it's going to be looking at the communities and what did it do? I mean, what was the bottom line? Did it, did it actually add that economic benefit that we looked at? Did it change connectivity? Did it allow uh, manufacturers and, and egg producers and others to be able to lower their transportation costs? Did it bring more tourism and recreation to an area? Whatever that uh, metric may be, we can go back and judge that and look at it. Well, I know, Gail, and I do deem ourselves as local government nerds, so I'm very Absolutely. excited. To hear to hear what comes out of this of the program, Secretary Thompson, is this a trend? This one-time funding versus a sustainable funding source? 
You know, as important as this program is, and I don't want to underestimate, $75 million can do a lot of good across the state. But I hope it's not a trend because um, I hope we can find the ongoing sustainable funding that we can do the planning and your members can do the planning. It doesn't mean that that some one-time funding for one-time projects like this can't be important. But if we're really going to continue to make the progress that we started in this last budget and are able to plan that companies are able to decide on, on buying equipment and level of resources in terms of human capital, whether local governments can make the planning that they need to, we need the ongoing sustainable revenue that we can make long-term planning. So I'm, I'm hoping that, that while this is an important one-time use of money, uh, that we'll continue to look at sustainable funding moving forward. Excellent. So, Secretary Thompson, you've been in this job for just over a year now. Let's talk about that a little bit. What have you learned? What has surprised you? you know, what do you see as some big challenges or opportunities? As far as what I've learned and what surprised me, I guess every single day I learn not just something new, but a lot of things new. And it's been just, it's amazing to me the breadth of issues that come through the Department of Transportation every day. Uh, the DOT in Wisconsin is one of only two in the country, us in Wyoming, that has uh, the state patrol and the DMV under the whole umbrella of the Department of Transportation. So wow. we, we deal with a lot um, every day, um, whether it's DMV or state patrol or real estate acquisitions or, or buying salt or, you know, it, it, there's just so many different issues um, in all the different modes, whether there's port issues or whether there's transit issues. So um, we've got a lot of really amazing people. And every day uh, you just realize how many, how, how good they are at their job and just the, the different things that, that come across. How many employees are there? We have a little over 3,200 employees. And that's throughout wow. the state of Wisconsin. That's throughout the state of Wisconsin, right. Secretary Thompson, in the last week, I have been to a DMV. I've taken all of my information, and I now am the proud owner of a real ID. Can you talk a little bit about that program? We know we have until October of this year, so people have to track down their birth certificate or whatever other information. Their wedding, yeah, their, their <laughs> I marriage I did have to license, find my marriage license. Right, I right, to go get you change that. your name, right? Exactly. Can you talk a little bit about the Real ID? Why is it important? What do people need to know about it, and what can they do to, to expedite the process for themselves? Well, as you know, this is an issue nationwide, that, that we have the Real ID, that everybody, it can be interoperable, and it can be used everywhere. And nationwide, the deadline is October of 2020. So our folks at the DMV, Christina Boardman, our administrator, they've been doing everything to get the word out. And every time you go to an airport and you go through, if, if your um, driver's license doesn't have the real ID, they're supposed to remind you that you have until October to do that. Um, and, you know, once you get the real ID, it will make life, I think, very, very simple. We're, I believe, over 30 to 40 percent of our folks in Wisconsin have done it so far. Uh, but we need to make sure that we continue to get the word out because if you don't get that real ID by October uh, and you show up, uh, you're, you're not going to be able to fly domestically. Uh, you'd need a passport and able to do that. So want to make sure that that's not a surprise to people um, and that they're able to, that they get that and that we don't have too big of a crush right at the end. We talked earlier about intermodal. Um, you were mentioning when we before we started actually recording, we talked a little bit about passenger rail. What's going on there? You know, that's one of the things that I don't think has been talked about quite enough that we made some real progress on, I think, in this last budget, was some, some more funding and for in increasing 
um, our passenger rail service in Wisconsin. So the Hiawatha line, which is the Amtrak service between Milwaukee and Chicago, is actually one of the most successful Amtrak lines in the entire country, wow. both from ridership and from on time. The ridership on the Hiawatha has been to the point that on peak times we have standing room only, um, which is great, but it's also not the best for safety, and it shows that there's need for uh, demand for more. So there was, uh, we had asked for, the administration had asked for $45 million more uh, for passenger rail in this budget, and the legislature ended up including $35 million more, which is a significant increase. And um, so a lot of that, not all of it, but a lot of that we're using to make some track improvements uh, down in southeastern part of the Wisconsin. Uh, Illinois is making some on their end. And our goal is to go from seven round trips a day to 10 round trips a day. Um, and the employers in really southeastern part of the state have said that this is a huge issue for talent retention and attraction. So we're really excited about that. Uh, the Empire Builder is another Amtrak line that runs, you know, all the way up uh, through Wisconsin. It's got five stops, you know, Portage and Columbus and the Dells, and it goes up uh, uh, into La Crosse and then uh, ultimately into St. Paul, uh, Minneapolis. And we're looking at hopefully increasing and maybe adding another line on that. Uh, which I think would, would really be tremendous. We also added bus service uh, for Amtrak from uh, the Fox Valley down to uh, Milwaukee Airport where they could get on the Hiawatha. Wow, then. that's great. And so uh, we're, we're really hoping that we're providing more options from that standpoint for passenger rail. So not only for tourists, but for workforce, basically. People go back and forth. Absolutely. To work using that. Absolutely. I mean, it, it's both. And, you know, if you're looking at folks from the Fox Valley going down maybe to Chicago, that's probably more tourists and, and taking trips and those sorts of things. But when you look at the Hiawatha and Southeast, we know for a fact uh, that there's a lot of people using that for work. And you can get on and be on Wi-Fi and be doing your work the whole time. Wow. And, um, it seems very appealing to it me. It does. It'd be a great <laughs> way to get to work. in my car <laughs> right. on the boat line. Absolutely. <laughs> so that was an area where I think we were able to add options. Um, the, one of the areas I don't think we did as well and we're doing as well as we need to, and Gail, this falls largely in your members, although in the counties uh, you have members too that provide uh, bus and mass transit uh, services. And I think that's an area that Wisconsin continues to lag behind in. And we did, we'd asked for a 10% increase in mass transit operating aids. We ended up getting a 2% increase, which is the first upper for mass transit aids in a long time. So right, we're, right. we're mm -hmm. appreciative of that, but it's not nearly where we need to be. Um, if you look at other states uh, that have metropolitan areas the size of Milwaukee or even Madison, uh, almost all of them will allow the locals to uh, decide how they want to um, have mass transit and whether they want to charge a sales tax or others. And, and we're one of the only states that doesn't do that. Uh, so if we're not going to do that, we need to at least do a better job of providing some, some mass transit operating assistance because trying to attract uh, the, the workforce that we need with the younger generation. Right, right. Or get then, them to tech school absolutely. or college. And then or with our aging, aging of Wisconsin, right, yeah, allowing people to stay in place, right. it's going to continue to be a very big issue. Yeah, yeah. Craig, talk a little bit about intermodal. What does that mean? Absolutely. So we have what uh, we call our freight advisory committee, where we bring together, again, there's uh, members of yours and your associations that sit on that. There's members of agriculture and manufacturing and timber and others across the state. And we try to really look at how well we're doing facilitating the movement of freight in, in Wisconsin. And uh, we've made a lot of progress. We're doing a lot of really good things. But one of the things that we've heard loud and clear from this group, and Wisconsin Manufacturers and Commerce has been very uh, helpful in this, as well as other groups, is that we don't have intermodal facilities in Wisconsin anymore. The last one we had was uh, at the Port of Milwaukee with Union Pacific uh, about six years ago that, that went away. And when I say intermodal, what we mean is that we can move goods from uh, onto rail uh, into our ports 
uh, from truck uh, to, to get those things out of the state and, and move it as efficiently as we can. And so, as we know, the, the class one railroads in our state, they're private companies. And so, they run on their own economic models, and, and we have to, to, in order for them to carry cargo, it's got to work for their economic model. So we can't dictate intermodal, uh, but what we're trying to do is facilitate those conversations and our major exporters in the state to have those conversations with our various class one railroads, whether it's Canadian National or Canadian Pacific or Union Pacific, and see if we can find uh, really the proper mass that we can set up these intermodal facilities. Because we believe um, not only will that help our businesses in this state, but it'll take a lot of heavy bulk uh, materials off our roads, uh, lessening the damage on our roads. And so I'm really hopeful and excited. Some of our Harbor Assistance Program grants help uh, facilitate some of these things. And I know there's discussions going on again in the, with the Port of Milwaukee. I'm hoping that 2020 we're going to announce that we're going to have an intermodal facility up again in that region. Uh, but we'd like to see even more than that. We'd like to see if we could, couldn't get some up in the Fox Valley as well uh, to really help uh, our, again, our timber industry and our egg industry and others be able to lower their transportation costs as they export goods to the United States and across the world. I've heard that some, um, and this is a complete aside, but I've, I've heard that some beer manufacturers have to package their product uh, because of the bad roads in like nice packaging so that they don't break the bottles. Is that is that true? You Just know, thinking about that. Um, we've actually had, uh, <laughs> we've heard that exact story, Gail, as you, as you say, that City Brewery up in La Crosse area has talked about how they've had a bubble wrap uh, their bottled beer uh, so that it doesn't break. So they've had to actually hire additional people to do that. Wow. It takes additional time to get the, the beer packed into the truck. And again, that all adds to their bottom line. So we're hoping with some of the progress we made in this last budget, and if we can continue to improve our roads, that, that uh, we won't have one broken bottle of beer. That's excellent. That, that's a good goal, that's I think, for our transportation goal. system. <laughs> <laughs> We know that in some parts of the state, um, the horse and buggies with their metal wheels really wear on the roads. Is, is that an issue that you're aware of and working on? It, it is an area, an area that I've heard about over the years, and it really demonstrates in Wisconsin just how regional transportation is, right, in each yeah, part of the true, state right. and, and what the different issues are that we all face, uh, whether it's in Racine and Kenosha, Milwaukee, or whether it's in Clark County in the central part of the state, where there are a lot of Amish buggies, and there, there has been concern uh, about those steel wheels causing rutting in the roads. Um, there's been conversations about separate registration fees for them. Um, I, you know, if you look at that from a, um, a dollars and cents, how much money that would raise, I'm not sure that it would really solve that problem. Uh. But it's a real problem and or a real issue and concern. And I think a lot of it can be resolved by us getting locals the, the adequate funding they need to simply keep up their roads. But it is, it is an issue that is is raised, and I think will continue to be talked about. So just a couple softball questions, Craig. What is your favorite part of the job? I think it's the people that I work with and the breadth of issues that come across my desk every day. And interviews like this one, obviously. This and podcast. Like this On a one. Monday right. morning, just, yeah. it's just rolling <laughs> off our tongues. You talked a little bit about um, local funding. And as you know, uh, registration fees, local registration fees have been adopted by several cities do you see that as a continuing trend? It's really gone up. I think there are twenty some now that wheel have, taxes and counties. have wheel taxes yes. and at county and city village level. Well, you know, as they say, everything rolls downhill, and um, 
people don't always say everything, but I'll say everything. Right. All right. <laughs> um, and you know, the the local governments are the last resort. Your, your your members are the folks that have to actually make sure that the roads are provided for their and the condition of the roads are adequate for their citizens. So, um, I think it's been the result of really about twenty years of underinvestment, uh, not keeping up from the state that locals have been forced to have to increase local wheel taxes. Um, it is a user fee. Uh, it does go towards the infrastructure, but I think there's better ways to do it. And um, I, I'm hoping we, we started in this last budget uh, towards more sustainable statewide funding uh, and that we can share some of that with the locals. Again, a 10% increase in general transportation aids. Uh, and I'm hoping that that's, that's the beginning of a trend that we, that we are able to look at statewide resolving these and that we're not just relying on forcing locals to, to increase these wheel taxes at the local level. That'd be great. We'd look forward to that, frankly, a sustainable source of funding. That concludes this Local Gov Matters 2.0 podcast. Thank you so much to our guest, Craig Thompson, Secretary of the Wisconsin Department of Transportation, also known as WISDOT. As always, you can find Local Gov Matters on your favorite podcast app from iTunes to Podbean to Stitcher. You can also link to the podcast from the WCA or the League homepages. Thank you to our community radio partners as well, Sun Prairie, Oshkosh, Wapaka, and Rice Lake. As always, we encourage you to contact us with any suggested show ideas. We'll see you next time on Local Local Gov Matters. Matters.